If you want to support the Missing Witches Project, you can do so by buying our book, reviewing it on Amazon and Goodreads, using offer code MISSINGWITCHES when you shop at Foxglove Farm, become a Patreon patron, or pick up some Missing Witches merch at Tee Public. You aren't being a proper woman, therefore you must be a witch. You must be a witch. Oh, hi, Gorge! <laughs> it's like you haven't aged at all and i've aged a hundred years <laughs> no way oh my god <laughs> you look amazing i just like switched it so i'm not looking at myself oh my god it's so good to see your face you too what a joy and a delight to be like universally cosmically brought together in this i'm already moment. tearing up amy oh my god <laughs> I'm like ridiculously emotional lately and I'm just like it's you my god (laughs) I was uh maybe this will make it into the episode maybe it won't but um (laughs) I guess I'll just launch in you know we can do our introductions in a minute but um something came up in Facebook memories the other day that was like a, a picture that Lisa had taken at me and Trey's apartment and I assume it was Halloween because we were all in costumes, but like not necessarily. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? And you were in this like Gaia Mother Earth kind of vibe costume. It was like, like yeah. yeah. And then like a garland of like a wreath <laughs> on your head. And I was like, this is too perfect. I'm going to have to go and redig it up so I can put it in the show notes. If you don't mind. Amazing. No, no, that was like, yeah, I totally remember that photo because Lisa and I had gotten into tie-dyeing lingerie and that was a tie-dye piece from that time. But yeah. Yeah, I like if you haven't gone through a tie-dye phase in your life, might I recommend that you do it yeah. now? Yeah. <laughs> There's just yeah. You haven't lived. <laughs> yeah. I when I had my tie-dyeing frenzy, I swear there was not like a white item left in my house like I was like scrounging and hunting for anything I could boil yeah yeah no I hear you and those were good days because you could buy um anything at Goodwill for like 10 cents 50 cents like actually yeah 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 Lisa and I actually made a ton of money at um Edgefest selling that stuff Edge fest, if that doesn't put I know, a fine point on the date. I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so let's circle back and have a little bit of an introduction for the purposes of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to welcome Emmy Tsumura to the Missing Witches podcast, but not to my life because Emmy is a hometown witch. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the first hometown witch that it has occurred to me to invite on the show. But now I'm like, we'll get Lisa, we'll get Traces, we'll get Lori, you know, we'll make magic and music. Maybe we'll have a reunion on the show someday because I think like that gang, we were so lucky to be so like... It was this like art gang of self-assured women and we had our own space where we were safe to like enact that, you know, because Traces and I had that apartment and, you know, Lisa had her place and so on and so forth. So I think about that a lot as like an amazing 
training ground to be a woman in her 40s. <laughs> it's true. It was like a like it was like a witch incubator. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Because I was really like I I hadn't really accessed that part of me until I met you, really. Because I'd been interested in all kinds of different things, but that was the time in my life where I was like, ooh, tarot cards, aromatherapy, and like Traces um, introduced somebody uh, to me that taught reflexology and so many things that completely changed my life in retrospect. Yeah. And of course, Traces, who was like our sort of resident plant witch, she had in our tiniest of apartments, it was always filled with plants. And she is now a professional farmer. (laughs) You know, it's like these things that we do when we're just like doing us if we're lucky, can like inform the rest of our lives, if we're lucky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially, like I say, like having that, having that space, you know? Yeah, I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot. It's like I say, like a training ground to be a mature adult woman. I was not a mature <laughs> adult woman then by any stretch of the imagination. I had a lot of learning to do and traces really taught me a lot. It didn't sink in until I had sort of, you know, moved out. And then I was like, Oh, you know, I've apologized to her for the slob that I was when we were (laughs) roommates now that I'm a mature adult. But you were like really owning that power even back then. I felt like whenever we, I was around you and you would sing, I would just be filled with this like, you know, like feminine energy and just like, but like bold, fearless, like I did not have any of that, like at all. And so that was, to me, that was just, it was a force. And like, I still get like chills thinking about your voice, like belting out, like me and Bob, me and Bobby McGee. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, thank you for that. That That's really validating to hear you know because uh you know uh, Risa my podcasting partner and I we talk all the time about just like taking up space and that's something that she has given me some credit for too is just like being loud you know just like saying fuck it and being loud and if the neighbors notice then like oh well you know well welcome to the city (laughs) yeah yep (laughs) But you, to segue, are taking up space in a very different way. I didn't mean to start with uh, Pigeons for the People. Pigeons for the People. (laughs) But let's start with Pigeons for the People anyway, because you are doing installation work that is like so interesting. I'll let you describe it. I've talked enough. Okay, yeah, Pigeons for the People was um, something that came up during COVID that was sort of like the the time, well, it still is COVID times, but um, I'd been drawing pigeons for at least a year and a half before the pandemic hit, but just a friend and I had like these great conversations about pigeons because we were both kind of obsessed with them and um, just, just laughing at their quirkiness and appreciating their um, sort of like understated beauty. Like, I don't know if you've looked at them closely, but their colors are stunning. It's almost like holographic. 
no purples and teals and greens and they're all they're all individuals um and they also they don't get a lot of credit they get you know they clean our streets like meticulously clean all of the the, the trash and the little the fast food bits and you know but the people hate on them and so we were just calling them the working class bird <laughs> and so that was sort of how it started but then <laughs> but then when i um what after lockdown i found myself drawing more pigeons because i had a lot more time and also having a uh, face to face time with only pigeons for days you know so i just had i have literally hundreds of drawings of pigeons and so i was starting to feel like maybe i'm i'm losing my mind and so it was like maybe you should stop stop drawing the pigeons because <laughs> um, <laughs> something's wrong um and then i had this i woke up after i must have been dreaming but and it was like you know what stop drawing the pigeons or, or like go big or go home and then i was like go big and so i started i made one of them into a like a human size i guess like five uh five and a half feet tall pigeon and i made it all uh from my home printer and i laminated it all and then i thought i can't this can't be in my apartment because my apartment is like 400 square feet and this pigeon is like taking up way too much space and then started thinking about this idea of essential workers and and people who aren't appreciated and uh there was a lot of fear and anxiety at the time when people were hoarding toilet paper and you know that whole time and then i just was thinking how what does the world need like what's missing from this conversation right now and it was like healing and just a moment to breathe and and sort of like be able to step outside yourself and i thought you know maybe a 6 foot tall pigeon will help people to step outside themselves and think about it so then that's how that started and i put up um the first pigeon uh kind of gorilla style on on um a fence right outside no frills so it's on the no frills property and and it thanked the the grocery store workers it's like um, a like a speech bubble coming from the speech if i recall yeah 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 um and so it was cool cuz i thought you know maybe they'll take it down cuz you can't normally install things onto private property but i like that sort of like challenging that like feeling where those edges are and people loved it i and like the bia was like tweeting photos and it ended up being something that um from from what i know the workers at the no frills felt really good about it because they were the ones showing up every day you know doing the work not getting paid more being putting themselves and their families at risk um and so after that feedback i made four more and so they were outside like in different spots all around toronto for they actually lasted for most of the year so yeah and it just got a lot of good 
a lot of good feedback and people like it, it made people laugh. And so that, yeah. Yeah. And I just love this like narrative of like an obsession becoming like almost a problem and then <laughs> going, going into the dreamscape. And then instead of it shutting down, it expanded it into this like large scale effort that then like legitimately changed people's day and by extension their lives wow yeah (laughs) right i mean that blows me away and you see this with art and and this relationship between art and activism i think all the time like you just feel compelled to make something and you don't even really know why and then the world kind of maybe tells you more why does that make sense it does make sense yeah i'm always driven in that way to make my art um, like things social and um, yeah I was listening to um, I, I don't know I think you can probably relate to this but I was listening to an interview with um, Daniel Kaluuya from uh, Get Out the British actor and Black Panther yes. and Black Mirror that's where I met him in the- oh really oh he's in, in Black, Mir- Black Mirror yeah oh I didn't know that oh my um, God, so good so he just uh, one thing he said really struck me. He he used this phrase, um, "simple special," and this idea to make things um, like what was the other one he said? Uh, accessible excellence. And I love this because um, you know we grew up in like South Schwa, and so like I it's just like such a humble, sincere place to grow up because like everyone makes fun of us and we make fun of ourselves just as much. And so going like moving away from Oshawa, going to university and like, you know, climbing the ivory tower and all that. I just, I've known this for a long time now that there's, there's no point in staying there if you can't or getting there, if you can't apply that knowledge to the masses and, and like use that for everyday people and everyday in everyday conversations. And so that simple special thing is exactly what he was talking about, that how do you take that, those insights and that knowledge and how do you, how does it help everyone? Not just people, you know? So. And it comes back to the humble pigeon too. Like the reason you're obsessed with the pigeon in the first place was because people are like, oh, it's a nuisance. And you were like, actually, it's really fucking beautiful. If you look yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a pigeon is very simple special. It is very simple special. Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> pigeons. <laughs> right. So let me go to your bio because there are so many things in there that I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. So this is like your from your artist bio. I'm just going to read a couple sentences and I'll, I'll let you expand if you don't mind. Okay. Um, Guided by research into Japanese folk tales and personal ancestry, her, her being you, her work documents an ongoing process of negotiating Japanese settler colonial identity and relationships to the urban environment. Please expand. <laughs> Where do I start with that? It took me so long to kind of like whittle it down to that much. Um, so I guess I could say that my, I guess like the thread of my, of my work has always been um, to, to 
find the freedom to be able to express myself fully as a, as a basic thing. But, um, you actually introduced me to Mayumi Oda who, and I was like, it's, it's amazing how the similarities in, in the, the way we work and the reasons why we make work. And so I was just totally blown away when you mentioned her to me, but she says, um, like through my creative process, I've been creating myself. And so that really resonated with me. And the idea that, um, you know, how do I want to create myself? Like what, what's the next thing? Like, and the idea that, um, the outside is a mirror to the inside and the inside is the outside. So whatever I'm doing inside is, is going to be, is going to come out in my work. So I think the work of identity and understanding that, you know, figuring out like my positionality and, you know, that I'm a Japanese Canadian settler who is living and working on stolen land. I have, I'm, I, my family, we're all uninvited guests. And what that means for someone who's making art on this land and, and what, can you do about that? <laughs> you know? And, and so the first, like, you know, and I, I have so much work to do, but it's like the first step is recognizing, um, that identity. And I've had, a, like some amazing elders who have given me advice on this because it's sort of like, where do you begin when, you know, this history goes back, the work hasn't been done for generations. Um, and I just, uh, I had some like really wonderful people tell me, um, sorry, Amy, I'm like going all over the place here, but, um, oh, I'm, I'm right here with you all over the place. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I know I've like, I'm seeing so many directions I could go with this, but, um, I did a residency in, on Maine Island, um, out on the West coast, a uh, couple in 2019, and, um, I, the elders there did, uh, some, some work on how, how settlers can place them, like find themselves on this land in a good way. And, um, part of that is understanding your own ancestry, speaking to your own ancestral spirits and, because of this idea of like the mirrors and things I'm thinking about mirrors a lot today, apparently, but um, that if you know your ancestral medicines and your ancestral wisdom, you can find that here there. It's going to be here as well. So you just need to find the equivalent from what that wisdom and, and knowledge was is and find it again here and if you talk to people, you'll know that this medicine and like, um, I can't live a good example right now, but this medicine in Japan is used for this ailment. And if you talk to people here, you'll be able to find the equivalent medicine, whether that's like calendula or, you know, rose hips or like whatever it is and sort of how to read those things. And it's like, you're learning a whole new language in a way. 
So that was one of the things that um, I've been trying to do is reach back into my ancestral wisdom. And yeah, so also so that I have something to bring to the table when I speak to people, like the first peoples of this land. It's like, I'm not coming just as myself, like, you know, I'm actually bringing this good stuff with me. (laughs) 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 Like... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not trying to colonize this event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I guess, I don't know if that, like, explains that that part, but, but that is why I'm doing so much um, work on, I have a, um, a series called Japanese Geometrics, and, um, yeah, like we did a cool collaboration with Matthias Kahn from the burning hell just very recently that I'm so excited about. Um, since you yeah. brought up Japanese geometrics, this is some of oh. my favorite work of yours listeners who aren't like looking at the show notes or Instagram or whatever, right in this minute, they're like, and again, I don't want to be reductive to your work by comparing it to other people's work, but like listeners, if you could imagine like if Peter Max and Hodorowski coupled with Mayumi Oda to design stained glass windows. <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they look like to me. They're so fucking beautiful, babe. Like, oh my God. Can you talk about it and why you call them Japanese geometrics? And, and did that also come as an obsessive dream? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I guess Japanese geometrics is probably, uh, I don't think it's a great title for that series, but, but, um, I just started working with, um, I, I found a dictionary of Japanese color combinations. And so I've been obsessed with, I know. I'm just listeners. I'm holding my chest so that you can't (laughs) hear the beating of my heart through the microphone. Uh, uh, say again. A dictionary of... A dictionary of Japanese color combinations. Design. And so I've been really trying to work with Japanese colors because those color combinations um, are are really different from the color combinations you see here. I mean, it might be red, blue, yellow, gray or something, but the the tones of the colors are, are very different from um, what you would see in, in Western color combos. So I've been trying to, I created my own color uh, palettes um, on Procreate and um, which is a digital like design illustration software. Um, And so that's kind of where it started is just me playing and I've needed a lot of play in my work recently because and we're going to go into this. <laughs> I think that the elephant in the room just waved its trunk at us, right? <laughs> waved its trunk. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned medicine, you mentioned play. Why is that so important for you right now? <laughs> so I've, um, as you know, I've been going through cancer treatment um, since last August. And so um, I've needed... Um, this kind of healing and play and, and having my work feel more joyful and, um, and, and also 
um, wanting to kind of put more joy out into the world because people also need that. And, um, and me, you know, having a cancer diagnosis is like, I, I know people aren't thinking this, but it, to me, it's like, oh, another bad thing during the pandemic for other people as well. And oh, I'm like, like, oh, I don't want to be this person. My daughter, <laughs> my friend, well. my daughter, my friend, my sister, my lover is going through this during it. You're not thinking about yourself, but how other people are going to be extra sad during pandemic. Come on. but it's like it's compound compound interest kind of right like yeah like it adds to the weight it does and it's like I just know from pre-diagnosis that people are already you know weighted down with like way too much like collective grief and stress about money and just being traumatized by the world everything you know right now and so it's I needed it things to be lighter for myself but I also know other people did too yeah and so um not to be too technical but like what does chemotherapy look like during a pandemic oh it's very lonely um it was to be honest like terrifying and devastating (laughs) just like how am I gonna do this by myself um and I know from uh talking to other people who've gone through it um it's well it's generally not uh, a fun experience but um you do get to bring uh, a support person or you know family members can come and visit while you're you're hooked up to the IV and other people, you know, find friends in the chemo room because you're all going through the same thing. Um, I have a friend's mother who went through treatment and she told her family and friends not to come anymore. Cause she's like, I want to talk to my, my chemo buds. Cause they're the ones who really get what's happening, you know, yeah. but I didn't get to have any of that because no one was allowed in the room. And so, um, it was started with panic and then it was all about channeling my creativity to figure out like, how am I going to be in this room and sit there hooked up for hours, you know, every week um, and not fall apart basically. Yeah. So how, how did you? Um, so I ended up um, arranging for, phone calls because that was just like the easiest thing but it was great because the first phone call I had with a friend um my friend Jillian she took me for a walk um she was up at her cottage and she took me for a walk at the beach and like um, with with her phone like a video FaceTime but yeah yeah oh that's that's awesome and um so she, we were talking face to face at first and then she flipped the camera so that it was facing the water. And so I just saw her feet and I heard the splashing and I saw the waves and this, I heard the sounds and the, the wind, like all of it. And I realized that seeing water um, was so healing, even on screen. And that was just like a profound 
moment where I was like, wow, like water is so powerful, but even on, even watching water on a screen helps me to, um, regulates my breath. And, and I don't know, I haven't talked about this yet. So forgive my like messy explanation, but, um, but yeah, regulates my breath and also, um, just the healing vibes. It was like, you know, somehow the water's like, you're going to be okay. Or there was just like feelings of like, of healing for, yeah. yeah. I think all witches would agree with you there. All witches there would agree. You know, like, <laughs> right? I literally, yeah. I don't think you'll find a single witch who doesn't, who's not full body nodding as they listen <laughs> yeah. to this right now. Yeah. And so like, I had this quote, um, cause you, I know that you love Audre Lorde, the Lord. Um, and I've been reading uh, the Cancer Journals by Audre Lorde. I don't know if you've read it. I'm still working my way through it. It's I, I have to put it down frequently. Right? Yeah. So a dear friend of mine sent this to me um, just as I finished the treatment. And I was trying to understand, like, trying to process it. And how do you process something like this? Uh, how do you process something like this? But the introduction, um, can I just read the introduction to you? Please do. So it's just like the first little bit, but she writes, each woman responds to the crisis that breast cancer brings to her life out of a whole pattern, which is the design of who she is and how her life has been lived. The weave of her everyday existence is the training ground for how she handles crisis. And it goes on. But as I was thinking about doing this podcast, I was thinking about um, my hometown witches, including you and Trey and Lisa, and how that meeting you at that time in my life led to a whole series of other interests that I had, even when we'd lost track of each other for a while, or and uh, knowing having the skills to channel non-human things that spirits and um like understanding that believing like innately in different forms of healing and the power of water like all of those things came into play because I had a like a total breakdown getting this diagnosis but then once that sort of leveled out a little bit but I'm still operating from panic mode right constantly being triggered by new appointments and new like things in my patient portal. And, but this is the stuff that kept me making art, knowing that that was healing, kept me like knowing that creativity was going to save my mental health. And this is really has so much to do with um, like meeting people like you and like, and having that base and, and building on that for the last like, how many years of my life um and you know meeting the other people that other witches along the way like so I just really I feel so I don't like the word blessed for some reason but but I do feel so fortunate and blessed I guess to like met like the like the gems of of Oshawa which 
was not easy to do, you know, like I, I searched a long time for you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like kind of part of the thing about like, you know, I can like do things and I make things and, and whatever, but like some of my highest magic is like, just to go back to the hometown, like having a wall to hang that painting that Lisa made that was like this, like this figure. And again, we were, we were young women, you know, we were, you know, in our early twenties, late teens, even at the time. And Lisa had painted this large scale painting of a woman with a, just an absolute gaping vagina, gaping vagina. <laughs> just an absolute hairy bushed gaping <laughs> vagina. And I hung it on my wall because it was my apartment and I don't care what you think. And I, you know, and so to me, once again, like that, that is also high magic, like not doing the painting is high magic, but like reserving a place on your wall for somebody else's crazy painting is also very high magic. (laughs) I love that. I remember that painting. I remember seeing it being like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. like, Like, and the face wasn't beautiful. Like it wasn't beautiful. The painting was beautiful, but like the the woman, I get will say woman was like not beautiful. It was very like confrontational. Yeah. You know, like what I really loved about it. And you know, to be able to have that hanging on my wall was like a declaration, you know. Almost. Absolutely a declaration. Yeah. So yeah. I'm so glad that that like, you know that space creating that we do together really has like reverberations. It's the Audrey Lord connection. It's just, I'm, I'm going through this book and I'm just, yeah, I'm feeling it because <sighs> I don't have, um, I don't feel the word warrior in me yet. And the more I read, the more Audrey's identifying me as a warrior in, in, according to you know what what she's calling a warrior and then I'm just like am I no (laughs) but it's 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 hard to own that kind of power well here here's my thinking on that if Audre Lorde says something it's fucking true so (laughs) you can stop hemming and hawing about that thing because Audrey said it so Here's the, here's the thing she says, like, um, she just talks about different, how different women deal with, um, like cope with cancer diagnosis. So that could be by continuing to work and not telling anyone, like that's a kind of courage and that's, you know, or some people, um, just choose to lean on other people and break down and just be in their sort of authentic selves and, This part, she says, like for some women, it means the warrior's painstaking examination of yet another weapon, unwanted but useful. And that's the one that that resonated with me. You kind of touched on like, I think, you know, the holy triangle like of 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 healing is like friends, art, nature. And music. We'll, we'll lump music into art so that yeah. we can keep it as a triangle, but tell me more. Yeah, about we'll keep it. it as a triangle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you could take that part. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it. I love the messy working out of ideas in real time. That's one of my favorite things in the universe. Like, let me let me say something that I've never even thought before. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's not going to come out perfect the first time ever. But yeah, yeah. Tell me about music. Tell me about how music is so healing. Um. Well, even even the burning hell and and their music sort of coming to like heal me at a time like this. The burning hell, um, they've been uh, friends of mine for years, on like two decades at least, and um, they uh, recorded a live album in Engelthal in Germany um, a while ago, and it's was unreleased, and they decided to release the album now, it's a 16-track album, and, um, they wanted to raise money for, to help me with cancer recovery costs and everything, and so, yeah, we decided to do this, um, as a fundraiser, uh, for me, <laughs> um, but also, um, I am, uh, I'm not super comfortable with like being the center of things and, uh, it's really hard to receive things, gifts and love and all that. So, um, and I do believe that it's, um, it's, it's always better when you share the love. So we're going to donate half of that to, um, encampment, the encampment support network, um, which is going to help people who are, uh, living in tents right now and um people who have been evicted from their tents by the city of toronto barf (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and so um yeah so i'm pretty excited i hope i hope lots of people buy the album it's a, a pay what you can donation for the album and then um yeah 50% of that will go to me and 50% to um, ESN and if you um buy the album you also get entered into a oh. fabulous draw <laughs> that's the part i didn't mention yes <laughs> so then matthias uh, from the burning hell reached out to make one of the japanese geometric pieces into a stained glass like its truest form if you (laughs) you asked me I was like yes oh my god thank god that's magical like it's exactly what it wanted to be when it grew up and it happened (laughs) you know I I'm blown away by it I really just want somebody I know to win it because I want to see it (laughs) I want to see the window and I want to see the sun shining through it Um, either way you get a fantastic album from a fantastic band so we'll put the links for all that stuff in the show notes and listeners definitely check that out what about like do you have any other work that's for sale that people can buy if they want to support the arts we won't say you because i know that that makes you uncomfortable (laughs) but if people want to generally support the arts by purchasing some of your work can they also do that I actually don't have anything up for sale at the moment, but um, if people want to check out my Instagram um, or my website, um, I'm always up for collaborations. And um, I'm, I'm my, one of my things this year is I want to start um, a store because I need to really like move away from um, 
the work I was doing pre uh, diagnosis and pre pandemic, because I just can't go back to that after going through treatment. And I just need to move forward. And like, I want to work on my art more. Yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that way without even the the chemotherapy push to do something different. Like, I think this has been a very awakening, exhausting, but also awakening, if that makes sense. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people are either by choice or not by choice are kind of changing track right now. And I think it's good. Like, most people I know are, like, getting further out of the grind instead of further into it, if they can. You know? Yeah, it's interesting. It's been, it, I, yeah, that's a good way to, a good word, I think, is this awakening where people are like, actually, now that things might be reopening, I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to, like, you know, and people have been, like, Matthias learned how to do stained glass over the pandemic. Like, people have, you know, learned these amazing new skills and, and we don't have to go back to what it was. Yeah. And we don't want to. Like, it wasn't no. particularly great for people. No, I, mean, I think it's, it's no accident that, like, uh, all of these multiple protests happened. Of course, like, you know, George Floyd. And, but, you know, George Floyd was certainly not the first Black man to have been even on video being killed by police. But it happened in this moment where people couldn't go to work. And so they could go out and protest. And I think this is what's <laughs> happened when we get removed from this, like, again, the capitalist grinding, exhausting system. Then we're like, hey, wait a fucking second. Whether that's I need to go out into the street and start fucking shit up or I need to maybe get more art into my life or I need to change my career goals. Yeah. And things are, you know, focused on like developing the self and, um, and also people are like, how do I, how do I uh, practice self-care now? You know, because people have been realizing like how depressed they are because they have a, a moment to stop and realize that they're not happy in their <laughs> regular grind. Yeah. 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 When you do get a moment to stop and think, then you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Which is why they don't, they, the great they doesn't want us to stop and think, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I will say, like, if you decide to do a series of prints, if you go to the pharmacy and print them yourself, like, put me on the waiting list for some um, Japanese geographics, like, geographics. (laughs) Geographics. That's the next project. Like, national, your national geographics. (laughs) Geometrics. (laughs) Um, yeah, like I need, I need one in my house. I don't know if I'll ever be able to afford it as a stained glass, but like, please let me know if you decide to I will, physical sure. copies. I don't have enough Bitcoin to buy a, what are the FTs? An NFT? NFT? I'm actually just signing up for that. I'm waiting to be accepted. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, hopefully by this summer, you'll be lousy with money from, from digital <laughs> art tokens somehow what a what a world we live in eh? yeah <laughs> hopefully the digital art tokens <laughs> yeah um i t- uh about music though i thought you might um dig this but when i was uh going through treatment i i've been really healthy my whole life so this was all like a huge shock to me but um i had my first mri 
and first CAT scan, CT scan, and like so many firsts that it was like constant new scary stuff. But the MRI machine, I, I don't want to say loved it, but I kind of liked it. Like it was like, um, it felt like somebody's like sound installation. <sighs> These like, almost like dial-up modem sounds and like gar, 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 with something like nine inch nailsy. I don't know, but I was humming along to the sounds and I was like, I wonder if they noticed that I'm singing with the MRI machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, and so that, and then while I was in radiation treatment, I was, um, we can be heroes. Like Bowie was my go-to song every day. And uh, it always ended at um, the part, the lyrics, like, I wish I could swim, like dolphins can swim. And then they would come in and say, you're all done. (laughs) And that was um, the other inspiration for um, the newer work, like Japanese geometrics and some of my new stuff, because it's all brighter than my other stuff. Like there's something that's like sound, like injected with like sound and radiation, something like there's something that, um, yeah, it, it's definitely inspired by those machines and the, the way like my body was processing it, I think. Yeah. I mean, this is maybe a bit of conversation for like a joint and a campfire, like midnight, but I was thinking about you and cancer and Japan and radiation and what a strange conceptual relationship a cancer survivor who is also of Japanese descent must have with radiation is that too like I'm I sound like I'm on mushrooms right now or is that like a real thing do you want to do mushrooms and talk about this because I yes I do yes Yes, I because, do. Because here's another detail. Um, I was organizing um, uh, an event for August 6th, the, the um, Memorial Day for the date um, the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. And I had um, my, my friends, uh, Ogichi Dakwe, who are an indigenous um, uh, like woman um, drum, drum group, and then um, this collective of young Japanese Canadians, and we did um, a little opening and closing ceremony on like live, but online for the event on August 6th. I found out about my diagnosis that day, two hours before the event started, and I had to host it. I, there's no... I I don't, I don't, there's no words, like how it was like on that day, two hours before this event that I was doing anti-nuclear, um, like a huge, it was a huge day, (laughs) the biggest event I've ever done. Um, and the coincidence of that is just too much. Like, I just don't even know how to process that. So maybe it's a campfire, um, like witchy conversation we can have but yeah. like I feel like it's going to be many hours 
pulling those threads and re-knitting them together yes. into something we can understand in our human way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I really think that psychedelics would probably help. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think so too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, again, I don't want to exhaust you. I don't want to keep you. I'm going to ask you this last question because I feel like it relates to Pigeons and David Bowie. Emmy, how can we be heroes? How can we be heroes? So that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, I think that, I mean, this is a question I'll have to think about more, but um, I think the first thing is, um, for me, is just learning how to find your own power. And for me, that's, that's, um, it's come to me through, um, the work I've been doing on how to connect myself as a settler to the land and learning about my ancestors and learning how to channel that ancestral DNA wisdom, blood wisdom. Um, there was, uh, this great, um, this great quote by crazy horse. I'm sure that you are familiar, but, um, crazy horse chief, crazy horse on the Kodak chief, um, has a dream where he goes to this, the land of, of where only spirits exist. And then, uh, realizes that that is the, the real world and that everything that we see here is, is just shadow and it's a shadow of that real world. And that just affected me so deeply thinking about just flipping everything on its head and, and knowing that the spirits are real and those, that intuition and the things that you learn in dreams and like just the, the reality of those things. And um, one of the elders out West, also we were having a conversation about you know because I was having trouble believing some of the messages that were coming to me and the thoughts I was having and um she looked me like right in the eye her like eyes that are like the deepest like darkest oceans <laughs> and it scared me but she said like Emmy you have to believe in magic and it was like, you know, you have to believe in magic or how do you expect the spirits to be able to talk to you? And it, it made so much sense and it kind of jolted me into like really believing that, that as I'm looking for my ancestors, they're also looking for me. And it, it's like, Listeners, Emmy is reacting to my whole body reaction to what she just said. My arms just started moving like I couldn't. I, there is, yeah. So as you go looking for your ancestors, know that your ancestors are also looking for you. I think that's how we can be heroes for sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's where you're going to find, 
for me, that's where I'm going to find my strength. And that's where I am building that inner strength. And that's, what's going to be able to allow me to be, to, to help other people is to stand in my own truth and be proud of who I am, like unabashedly myself and all those things that we're not taught to do. I really just can't thank you enough for being with me here today. <laughs> thank you. Again, can you hit us with your socials, your website, anything that you think um, you can tagline for our listeners to be able to follow you and get to know you and your work better? Yeah. So my Instagram is at Instagram at msacko, E-M-S-A-K-K-O. And if you go there, my um, website is linked. Yeah. And if you follow us on Instagram, we'll be bombarding you with, uh, with this for many days because okay. I just want, I there's so, there's so much of Emmy's work that I want to share with all of you. So watch for the, watch for our IG stories. If you follow us on Instagram, because the work <laughs> is, the work is amazing. The witch is amazing. Strength is amazing. <laughs> like I'm just I'm so amazed and grateful and so fucking proud of you babe so fucking proud of you it's I'm so fucking proud of you like this is an amazing podcast <laughs> how did I get here <laughs> how did we get here how did we get here yeah but I'm gonna tell you right now so mode it be we're putting it in the universe a bag of mushrooms traces this farm and we're just gonna have to make that happen Absolutely. I'm down. Good. Listeners, maybe we'll invite you to stay posted. (laughs) (laughs) You must be a witch. If you want to support the Missing Witches Project, you can do so by buying our book, reviewing it on Amazon and Goodreads, using offer code MISSINGWITCHES when you shop at Foxglove Farm, become a Patreon patron, or pick up some Missing Witches merch at TeePublic. 